This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Doncast episode four. And boy, do we have a lot in store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, today's going to be a good podcast, man. The NBA preseason began three days ago, just like that. You can expect the NBA season to go by just as fast. We've already got three days under the belts. Plenty of news outside of the NBA as well. Plenty of good questions. So it's going to be a good balance. I did want to start off the show by finally, for the first time, it's a month later and I finally got it through. Wow. Yeah, by the way, this podcast has been on this channel for a month just like that. Like, like it's nothing, man. Um, Right? Because, yeah, four part. Yeah, I, I think anyways. Don't quote me on that, actually. I might be wrong. Whatever. Um, the show is on Spotify and iTunes, and the link to where you can find those shows there is in the comment section and description, as always. I mention it because being the month mark and being able to see how many people are listening on those platforms, it's very valid, man. Uh, on the other platform, I did not control those numbers. I didn't get to see them, so I had no clue. And so now I know, and I know it's helpful for a lot of people who can't just close their phone and listen to it on YouTube. So if you're listening specifically on iTunes, you can help the show grow by rating it five stars and nothing less <laughs> i'm not gonna be humble here like oh you know just give it whatever you think five stars please five stars you're getting blocked um and then yeah spotify i'm not exactly sure but yeah just if if it's easier for you it does support the show to listen on those platforms and i appreciate all i appreciate i appreciate all of your support so far because when i moved it to this channel i'm like this is an hour or an hour and a half of content people normally don't stick around and listen to those type of things you can't expect that to do well and so far it's done well and this is before the season started so yeah i think we're gonna make some pretty good progress this year well this is probably gonna be a long show so i'm gonna go ahead and get into the uh get into the main parts first of all i am adding a new piece to the show at the beginning along with just letting you know whatever content i posted throughout the week which doesn't really take that long i will be highlighting creators well one creator each week shout out to the black okage he does this on his podcast as well but I specifically wanted to add it here because of a conversation I had with the creator I am going to talk about today. And it kind of made me think like, yeah, because a lot of these people are kind of just left out to left out to hang and dry, basically, no matter what the level of the content is that they're making. So just expect that throughout the week, uh, throughout these weeks on the podcast at the very beginning, I'll talk a little bit about a creator that I'm highlighting. And if you have a creator you think needs to be highlighted, you know, DM me when I ask for podcast questions, maybe mention it and I'll take a look. But I'll be trying to go through creators that. I probably had on that list for a long time and uh yeah you can just expect that everything is time stamped in the podcast as usual 
For content this week, what did you miss if you were not paying attention? Well, we streamed with De'Aaron Fox. That was awesome. De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, obviously. Reese, we've been streaming with him for since probably around October now. Yeah. Shit, excuse me. September, October. And he's on the Kings now. He was drafted by the Kings. And De'Aaron Fox is there. De'Aaron Fox is a big gamer, if you didn't know. If you've seen his Dragon Ball Z PC that he had built years ago, that shit is crazy. That's he, he has a PC that like I always thought to myself, if I hit the lottery, this is what I'm making. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Just look it up yourself. I can't really describe it. Anyways, yeah, he well it was it was streaming. Reese was the one streaming. He has a Switch channel as well. And Fox came through and me and Ben were on, so got some content out of that i did post that video on this channel there is more De'Aaron fox stream content coming because i have at least two or three games that we played so be on the lookout for that i posted a madden video maybe the only madden video i will ever post on this channel but it was a lot of fun like you have to understand for me and madden i hadn't played madden in 18 years so i don't have the same grievances as everybody because i don't know what to expect i don't even care about football and so playing it in front of the stream and playing it online is just pure fun and so uh, making the video out of it was fun and maybe if i play enough online this year maybe there'll be more videos maybe they won't but i think the one that came out of the stream that we did was good so that is here as well and on the main channel i've been getting busy that kind of has a uh that kind of has a little bit to do with the creator that i'm going to talk about today and i posted three videos i think on the main channel one about why teams every team that is involved in this james harden uh not triangle because it's more than three teams um th this situation this mess why every team that's involved in it needs to be trying to trade for him and then two videos doing my predictions because low-key i meant to do my seating predictions on the uh on the podcast last week i meant to and then a little a couple of things changed this week and I, I just forgot actually and a couple of things changed with what i was thinking about my main channel so i did it there and so those predictions are there if you want to see how i think the playoffs are going to shape up this year because man the conferences are really competitive they're low-key more competitive well high-key more competitive than i thought so that's the content that uh is on the channels this week and you can go look for them because i routinely see people asking me to talk about things that i already talked about and i'm just like damn bro no matter how many notifications i send on every single social media platform i still miss people i i'm, I'm one man i do what i can speaking of that that will draw me directly into the creator highlight for the week and this goes to creator that i actually shouted out before when i did that one video many many months ago about creators that i thought needed more recognition uh, i think that was probably a failed experiment because again on my main channel if i post anything that's slightly off base it does like 70 percent worse and so i don't think i probably got the highlight on these channels that i was looking to get but anyways this goes to major films loc you probably remember if you did keep up with that video because a lot of you who listen to the podcast watch like everything i post and so major films loc is literally what you would think when you hear major films it's for nba 2k though he makes nba 2k content nba 2k films things that i was actually interested in making a while ago before i was actually a youtuber uh messenger matt type videos if you remember messenger matt i talked about him on a podcast before and um wanted to highlight him specifically because we had an interesting conversation we had an interesting conversation he came in man let me drink some water real quick this is pissing me the fuck off hold on time out i'm sorry major <laughs> I have this like air bubble in my goddamn throat because I, I ate before I got on here and I'm like halfway trying to burp while I'm talking. God damn it, bro. Ah, yeah, see, five star content, bro. Five star content and five star content only. Okay, back to major films. So major films um, <clears throat> on Instagram hit me up and asked me a question that a lot of creators ask pretty much all the time. 
and was asking me, yo, how do you grow on YouTube? Do you have any tips to grow on YouTube? I get that question all the time. And as much as, you know, whatever, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go into where I was going. And I, I kind of basically told him because I gave him that shout out a while ago. I know his content is is amazing. Um, the link to his channel is also in the comment section in the description. And I kind of told him like, you know, YouTube doesn't support the type of content that you make. I just kept it real. Like YouTube itself as a platform doesn't do that because major films, as the name would imply, takes a really long time to make the type of videos that he does. And so you might only get one video in a month or two videos in a month because it takes that much time. And I think that's something that YouTube supported in its earlier days that it doesn't really support now. And because now they deal with corporate businesses and they deal with really famous people and it's a, it's a big money machine. It's a beast. Now everything is about feeding the algorithm. Everything is about watch time. And so if you can't supply those organically, you you're basically as a great creator, you're basically left to wait for one of your videos to magically pop off. Like one video might just catch on one day and you might get a super influx of people. And all of a sudden you're on now, or you're left waiting for somebody much bigger than me, by the way, to shout you out, to give your channel a shout out, which is kind of how Dom, my Dom2K channel started. I, I was getting decent traction when I first did it in 2016 or when I first uh, created that channel in 2016. But there's no doubt that the real jolt came from those Facebook shout outs from those million follower LeBron pages. That's really where it came from. That's where the jolt came from. If I didn't ever get to if I if I didn't ever get a jolt, I'm not sure I would have been waiting for one of my clickbait NBA videos to just randomly catch on fire. That's really how it goes. And that's a sad reality. And so I did want to highlight him because we did have an interesting conversation about it. Uh, about the type of content I've been making over the years and my experience and why I gave him that type of answer. But uh, yeah, I don't think I've talked enough about it. Well, yeah, I kind of did, especially because I showed him before. Um, I, it's kind of hard to describe his content. So a video that he might make is like the uh, what if version of Michael Jordan's career. And so it might be what if Michael Jordan was drafted by the Blazers, but he does it in like a 2K documentary style. And it's it's crazy. The editing on it is crazy. The craftsmanship is crazy. And just like when I gave him a shout out on that video months ago, he does not get anywhere near enough recognition because this platform is just not set up to support that. This platform is not set up to support creators it, or people who take the craft seriously. Let's put it that way. If you take the craft of your video seriously, every now and then you'll see a creator that makes it like that. But most of the time, it's how many videos can you get out? How much watch time can you retain? It's kind of like that. That's what's more. That's that's where your better chance of making it is. And so those are the type of creators I am looking to support in the podcast. Highlight, uh, shout out as much as I can, because I'm not even that big myself. I think the podcast will be much bigger by the end of the year, but it's not huge yet. And so as it's growing, I would like to get creators who really take their craft seriously and uh, kind of give them shine that they probably won't get on their own because how long has major films been around i think he said that he'd been doing youtube what five years ago i think he said he stopped once and yeah he was asking me about the just the elements of this and i told him i actually much prefer the videos like his that are art projects I, I prefer creating things like that that are art projects that take props and whatnot things like when i was making the greatest playoff series of all time things like case for goat when i really have to get into like the craftsmanship of a video i actually enjoy that challenge but the challenge rarely ever ends up being worth it. Not because you only care about views or whatever, but because at the end of the day, 
you unless you're rich you have to think about sustainability you just have to or else this whole thing falls apart you can't do it anymore as a as a means you know what i mean <laughs> means you know what i mean i didn't do that on purpose so it, it does suck to watch creators kind of be crushed under that because i was one of the lucky ones that got a break early and i've been able to keep uh what i found at varying levels throughout these years but that just don't happen for everybody and so if you look at my main channel these days coming into the season i just did it without even telling anybody i basically decided to cover the season on this on my main channel this year because i've never done that if you look back through all my videos i've never gone straight through and not made a video every day i'm not saying like make a video every single day about a game that happened last night but generally cover the season as i'm doing right now the hardened trade the standings next will be who i think is winning mvp and there'll be a lot of general items like that around the season and just kind of doing that because the reality is since i started in 2016 i've i've changed you know i've changed i make different types of videos i started streaming as a as a main item of my content as well and so i simply don't have the time to create art projects at the same time as i'm doing everything else i don't have the time to stream and then do second channel stuff and do podcasts and then also make a giant ass what if on the main channel or a giant ass case for gold those, those things are going to have to be far and few in between to be sustainable that's literally just what it is it you know it's like specifically the nba 2k videos that i made a couple of well, that's just about a month ago those didn't do anywhere near what i was expecting and those took a long time to make like i had to stop streaming for the week to make those it took a long ass time to make the smallest edits in those videos that you see take a long time to put together and so it's like i can't really afford to be gambling i can't really afford to gamble and say okay i'm gonna go and make a video that's gonna take me a week but i'm not gonna be able to do anything else during that week really i'm not going to be able to stream i'm not gonna be able to do anything on this second channel i'm not gonna be able to watch as many games can't really take time off and not be and then come back and then it's like it flopped you know i just can't i can't afford to do that uh, maybe one day i will right now i can't and so that's the situation a lot of creators find themselves in that is the situation a lot of creators who really care about what they do find themselves in is they find out what they like to do really is just not a sustainable method and um a comment part of our conversation with major he was like yeah even even when you're just making nba videos i find it crazy that you're doing that and you do a podcast and then you uh, stream he's like how you have all the energy for that and i'm like yo that low key feels like a break compared to what i've been trying to do because what i've been trying to do is i've been trying to do all that but i've also been trying to really make some edited videos on top of that and it's just I, I told him straight up i'm like yeah i found out like yo the, the system has hands bro <laughs> i don't have enough energy to beat the system i really just don't and so yeah uh, this season i'm like look people know that i can edit a video people have seen me edit plenty of videos i'm not saying every video i've ever made is a masterpiece but i've been into so i've been into some really high quality stuff before so i don't really need to prove that every single time i make a, I, I make something sometimes i just need to be covering the season and talking about what's going on in the season and sometimes I, in this season specifically especially with how much competition there is i just kind of want to do that because i haven't i've never gone through a full season i've made a couple of videos here and there about a season before but i've never gone through a full thing and just said okay i'm just gonna cover it this year i'm gonna watch a lot this year well i always watch a lot but i don't always you know i don't always go like i'm going this year so 
that's just kind of what it is and yeah that was a great conversation that me and major had i was it was an insightful combo and i think you should absolutely check his stuff out if it sounds interesting to you the craftsmanship is amazing the videos are amazing and they might be few and far in between but it is worth the support i believe all right well that is yeah yeah that's it that's the content part of the podcast that is the creator highlight of the podcast i know that one was a bit more like about our conversation but again that his channel is basically what i described it as it's not a whole lot to say about it i think we'll go ahead and move on to the nba stuff because there is plenty of nba stuff as a matter of fact i think i need to keep twitter open yeah that would be a good idea uh, twitter i twitter on my stream deck just in case something pops off because there was news coming out this morning bro mozilla firefox foxed mozilla firefox logged me out of all my accounts that pisses me the fuck off they're constantly trying to make me use Bing. logged me out of twitter logged me out of facebook just it's so unnecessary okay um yeah okay i'm just gonna keep this open in case a trade happens or something or anything breaks Pornhub just purged all unverified content from the platform i've never heard of that website before Pornhub. i don't know okay well Anyways, NBA news. <laughs> the Sixers, re Sixers. I'm not going in any specific order. It's just gonna have. It's just kind of what I have written down. Sixers Harden negotiations. I'm told the Rockets have asked the Sixers for three first round picks in addition to Ben Simmons. As many others have reported, the Sixers so far have been unwilling to include Benjamin Simmons in any proposals. That comes from Woj, I believe, and whoa. Okay, well, at that rate, if that's where the conversations are, then we know one thing for sure on this beautiful Monday morning. James Harden is not going to be a sixer. Not at that rate, because there's no trade. And I'll take my L if there is, but there's no way in the hell that there is a trade where James Harden goes to the Sixers without Ben Simmons being exchanged. That ain't going to happen. The whole time I've been thinking about James Harden to the Sixers, I've never thought of a big three between Simmons, Harden, and Embiid. I've thought of a duo between Harden and Embiid. <laughs> uh, that's a finesse job uh, Maury's trying to pull if, you, if he's trying to keep that big three, which you, I guess you try to keep as much as you can, right? That's the goal, but that's where they're at because one is trying to keep as much as they can and one is trying to get as much as they can. Now, if I'm both teams, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I've told y'all I feel strongly about the Harden to Philly thing. I'm pretty sure I said on in the video that was my favorite trade. And now that we have some actual meat behind it, we have an actual report about what was offered. Look, you have to look at this. I, I did the Eastern Conference predictions yesterday on the main channel. And that's where I kind of noticed like, whoa, the East is tough this year, man. There are five legitimate teams that can make the NBA Finals and not Dark Horse either. I'm talking because I'm talking about Dark Horse teams later. I'll get back to that. I'll circle back around to that. But there's five teams. The let, let me just the, the Bucks, Nets, Miami, Celtics, <clears throat> and the Sixers. All five of them can make the NBA Finals, and it would not be a surprise. That's a tough conference. It falls off after that, but that's pretty tough. Anytime you have five contenders for it, that's pretty tough. I, I really don't remember it being like that. I think four was the last, the, the previous largest number that we had. But the thing you also have to look at is the Sixers are not really expected to win a championship. I don't think. Looking at Ben Simmons and Embiid and where they've been so far, only been to the second round and the progression of Ben Simmons game. I don't think you look at this and say that they're going to win a championship together the way the NBA is shaping up with the team that's going to be coming out of the West with how the East is getting better. And especially because Harden seems like he's joining this conference that is pretty much imminent. 
the Sixers are not the team maybe that they think they are Ben Simmons and Embiid and I say that because neglecting to do this trade would almost surely land James Harden at a rival now I understand why you would be apprehensive about it because yeah you're looking and saying okay if we give up a young guy in Ben Simmons a young star and three first round picks our entire future revolves around James Harden like he has to sign here so you probably need a commitment from him as well he needs to sign because he's only well he can leave in two years right I think after at the end of next season I believe off the top of my head he would be able to leave something like that it's very close and so I get wanting that commitment but this is also interesting to see what teams think about what happened with the Toronto Raptors because of course they traded for Kawhi Leonard Kawhi left and the team has progressively gotten worse they last year were still good without Kawhi but obviously they were not a championship team so they went from a championship team to not a championship team and by the way now the Raptors have also I I, I mentioned Serge Ibaka in the video I forgot to mention they've also lost Mark Gasol who you might say oh he's washed he's he's old he doesn't provide this he was trash and shooting against the Celtics and yeah he wasn't shooting well against the Celtics it, it was definitely he looked a bit washed in that in that respect but Gasol is still a good passer he is still kind of a a cog in a winning team that if you take it away, I think you'll feel that difference. And I think that's part of what the Raptors will be feeling this year because you've lost him and another important piece. And so the Raptors are fastly, in my opinion, probably approaching no man's land where Kyle Lowry is getting a bit older. You got Siakam that you're hoping develops into a star, but you're kind of getting to that point where you're going to be a mid team for a while with no true aspirations. I think that's where it's going in Toronto. And so you look at that and say, okay, well, they won a championship out of the whole ordeal. They didn't keep the guy that they got to get the championship, but they did win a championship, uh, their first in franchise history. And so what do you think about that? And what do you think about where they're going? I guess that's what you weigh when you're a team like the Sixers and you're looking to take in Harden, who really might not be there in a couple of years. You just never know. You never know how chemistry is going to work out. You never know how many what you're actually going to win. But look, that is the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the beast. That's what the NBA is like. Those are the decisions you have to make. Those are the things that you have to weigh. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. You're never going to have a perfect situation where you can secure what you're doing right now and 100% secure your future. I think it's best in most situations if you can have a pretty good idea of what the right now would be. I think you kind of head towards that option. And so this specific trade, I would make. I would make it. If I'm the Sixers, I'm making this. And it's interesting because I keep seeing people talk about how, oh, the people who are on the team or the fans of the teams that are in this situation with Harden. I keep seeing this thing about, oh, we're going to get Harden, but his play style, fam, he's going to a different system. He can play different basketball. You don't have to assume that he's going to go everywhere and play like Harden, like Harden, my bad, Rockets Harden. You don't have to assume it's going to be the same exact thing. Dribble, 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 ISO, five out. You don't, he's not the coach of the team. And so I understand the, the worries, but the reason he wants to leave Houston is because all of that hasn't worked. The play style hasn't worked. The Rockets right now are actually a decent squad that he should not even want to leave this badly, but because he does not think he can win a championship there now or in the future, he wants to go. That means he wants to win a championship, which also probably means that wherever he goes, he probably wants to play championship basketball. And championship basketball is not what has been happening, so I believe that you can probably get Harden. I don't think Harden is like Westbrook where, because check it out, Westbrook, his game, especially at this point, it's a bit limited. He cannot shoot the ball. We've seen his decision-making has not been the best as a point guard throughout his career. And we kind of just know what he is, right? Harden, on the other hand, his game is not limited like that. 
He can shoot from anywhere. He can get inside. He has handles for days. He has many facets to his game that you can adapt around people to different systems. And that's the difference between a guy like Harden and Westbrook. It's not the same thing. And so when Harden or when we were looking for a Westbrook trade, it was like, okay, where does his game fit? Because wherever he goes kind of has the mold to him. That's why I didn't think it was going to work out when he got traded to Houston. And yeah, it's just not the same for James Harden. So if James Harden wants to go for your team, these fans that are like, oh, we want to just keep doing what we're doing. Like, fam, fit in Philly, you're not winning a championship this season. I, I'll take my L if you do. But right now, from where I said, I just don't think that's happening. I don't think Ben Simmons and Embiid are going to win a championship. I don't personally think because we always talk about that duo growing and finding a way to work. But I don't think that's going to be a championship duo. I just don't. I think that's going to be a duo that maybe gets a little bit better and probably advances to higher rankings in the playoffs. Maybe they make a conference finals once, but I don't think this is going to be a championship duo anytime soon. I just don't. I think there are better fits for both of them. And so this the Sixers thing, this is probably the only the destination I'll be talking about because I made a whole video about this. But because that we've actually got an offer on the table and we see the kind of asking price. The Rockets are not wrong to be asking for as much as they can for James Harden. They said specifically, we want, we're trying to grip y'all. We need all that. <laughs> we need all that. We're not letting Harden go unless we get all that. And uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm Philly, Harden and Embiid versus Simmons and Embiid in this conference, that's getting better and will get better once Harden gets there. Hey, I'm, I'm making this happen, fam. I'm making this happen. That's just where I'm at. If you're a Philly fan and you love Ben Simmons, I understand. But that's where I'm at. And it's interesting because the other report that came out this morning, which is why I had Twitter up, because it just seemed like there was a lot of news coming out. It goes, John Wall's arrival has not changed Harden's mind on the trade. Quote, Wall expressed hope that Harden might become excited about playing with him in a backcourt, a prospect that Harden is rejecting as he prepares to rejoin the team Monday in practice, sources said. Well, sources also said that John Wall had talked to him and expected him to be there. Sources also said that James, I keep wanting to say James Wall. I noticed I messed that up. I think I messed it up once in last week's podcast. Sources said that James Harden had a preference to John Wall over Russell Westbrook. I mean, I guess that could have been true, but that didn't necessarily meant that that was that a that a post Achilles John Wall was going to keep him there. Um. Well, first of all, like I said, I also said last week that if I was John Wall, I would feel some type of way because I'm here now and I'm supposed to be your duo partner and you don't want to be here. I would I would feel some type of way. These players have egos. These players think away about themselves. I, if I was John Wall, I don't see how he doesn't feel away. And I think by this quote right here, it's kind of we'll never probably hear it or maybe we'll hear it in the future. But I think he probably feels a way about this. <sighs> Damn, there was something else. That's another point I had about James Harden here. The James Harden situation to me feels like Carmelo Anthony, exactly like when Carmelo Anthony wanted to leave the Nuggets. Because if you remember that, the Nuggets were somewhat contenders. As a matter of fact, the Nuggets were almost the exact type of contenders that the Rockets are, where they had a superstar player and they had a decent team around him. And as a dark horse, maybe this team could beat the better team in the conference and make the finals, just maybe. But coming into any season, you're not going, yeah, that team is winning the championship. The Nuggets are winning the championship. Nine times out of ten, you're not. And so that's exactly where I see the Rockets, where especially because I think they did some good things on their roster this summer. This is not a bum squad. They're kind of in that situation where it's they have a superstar player and good players around him. 
but are they at the end of the day beating the Lakers? Are they getting past a team like the Clippers to go to the NBA Finals? Well, specifically the Lakers here, probably not. Which is funny because when it was the Nuggets situation with Carmelo, it was also the Lakers. <laughs> History just repeats itself every decade. Um, so I see those situations very similar. And what ended up happening happening with Melo was he started the season with this team. We knew he didn't want to be there. He had verbally expressed he didn't want to be there. By now, the, uh, James Harden, I, don't, I haven't heard a voice recording of him like I heard Melo. I heard Melo in a conference say he didn't think he could win a championship here and he was ready to go. In James Harden's situation, we just heard a lot of media talk and a lot of cryptic social media posts. And then we see the picture with him and PJ Tucker that literally just says, get us the fuck out of here. <laughs> so he's basically said it. And uh, Carmelo Anthony ended up getting traded right near the trade deadline for a massive package. God damn, that sounded wrong. That sounded crazy. <laughs> it was a massive deal and uh the knicks were basically gutted when they got mellow because it was what the idea was mellow and stoudemire and they were supposed to get better every season after and it did not work out that way but it, it involved a lot of right then players and so with this harden with this deal right here this has been simmons and some picks this is not a hundred other players and so the sixers would not be gutted if they did this and so that's interesting man that's interesting this uh I see a Rockets writer saying that he believes Harden is going to, it's going to be like that type of trade, like the Melo trade, where Harden is basically going to play there for a while. <laughs> and the hope will be that they win a lot of games and that maybe he'll back off of it. But I don't think that's where this is going. I think Harden doesn't believe he can win a championship in Houston. I think he believes he's getting a little bit older. And I believe he doesn't want to waste any more time there. So regardless of when he's traded, I don't think there is any reconciliation there unless they just start the season 27 and 0 or something and since chemistry is a thing in basketball i don't really know if that's going to happen also since i don't really think james harden and john wall fit that well together i also don't see that happening well that's where we're at with that not much more than we said over the week those quotes just came out this morning that offer just came out this morning that'll be interesting i would like this to happen whatever trade is going to happen i would prefer it to happen before the season starts so within the next Eight, I don't know, eight days. That'd be nice because I don't. I hate to see the Rockets just kind of slugging through the season and watching all this Rockets basketball when it's really amounting to nothing. I, I prefer, I don't prefer that. But if you're a Rocket fan, that's still in denial because last week I said I didn't see many in denial. I think this week I did see a couple. Bam, James Harden does not have a future in Houston. And I'll take my L if he does. James Harden does not have a future in Houston, guy. It's over. It, it, it's over it's over <laughs> it's over <sighs> okay let's move on from that let's move on from that um on new player resting policy absent unusual circumstances teams should not rest multiple healthy players for same game and okay somebody typed some shit wrong here they left a couple of punctuation marks out left some words out whatever and teams should not rest healthy players on the road so when Popovich rested everybody against the Miami Heat way back when, what was that, like 2013 or something like that? Nah, bro, we don't we do not do that here. And in situations when teams decide to rest a healthy player, the player should have or should be visible to fans. So he ain't just going to be back in the locker room. You got to be on the bench, guy. We got to know where you are. We got to see you. We got to see the cast. If you're saying something hurts, we got to see. We got to see that shit hurt. We got to see the pain. The NBA has sent the notice to teams, allowing them to rest players in, quote, non-national TV games. 
mentioning veterans who played a role on a team that advanced deep into the 2020 playoffs. So basically what they're trying to do here, obviously, is curb the amount of games that are totally fucking ruined because you spent all day waiting for it. And then you got to that game, you got to that evening and then, oh, star players out. This game is totally useless now. It, it's actually just it's actually just this contending team playing this contending team's bench. It means nothing. Because that was that's been a gigantic problem. We've we've forgotten pre-COVID now that that is a gigantic problem. Is games just being totally bumfucked because players had to rest or load managing or whatever. So they're basically saying load manage on your own time, bruh. <laughs> load manage on your own time. Don't do it on national TV. If you're gonna rest Zion, don't do it on national TV unless he's actually hurt. And if he's hurt, he needs to be out there. Yeah, and that's good because they scheduled the Pelicans to hell this year. We talked about that last week, and so. Yeah, that's actually what I said. I was like, man, they scheduled because that came out actually right after I did the podcast. That was the funny part. I was like, yo, the Pelicans, they put them on TV, but Loki Zion was missing every other game last season. So what does that mean? So hopefully if he's not actually if there's not an actual injury, then we should see more Zion this year. And that goes for other star teams as well. And yeah, get get these ratings up because well, they suffered for different reasons last year. Obviously, they were going on at the same time as a million different things. Blah, blah, blah. That's a whole conversation. I'm glad they did this. I'm happy for this. Uh, I guess that kind of brings us to the ESPN ranking where Zion Williamson was ranked number 19 on their top 100 list above Paul George, Jamal Murray, Bubble Murray, Bradley Beal, 30 points a game, Katz, arguably best big man in the league, Kyrie, NBA champion, superstar offensive scorer, but didn't play last season. Gobert, um, yeah, I mean, whatever. Just, I don't, I don't think that highly of Gobert, whatever. CJ McCollum, Westbrook didn't end on a great season, plus more. So of course, again, this is this is more. Like I said, I, yeah, I told y'all, bro, <clears throat> this is happening the same way, where LeBron James had his hate train develop for certain reasons. I, it's happening the same exact way for Zion, because with barely playing last year, he is already in the top twenty. Of ESPN's ranking now of course it is a projection and I do want to do, do want to bring this back I always try to bring up historical factors whenever something happens or something crazy seems to happen I always try to bring put it in historical context I did want to remind that once upon a time they ranked Kobe Bryant pretty low after his injury they turned out right because these are projections at the end of the day right I don't remember his exact rating but it was after the Achilles and everybody was up in arms about it. Oh, y'all are idiots. Kobe called them idiots. He was like, I always knew they were idiots. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, they ended up being right. The Achilles dusted him. It dusted his career. And looking back, I don't know if really talks about it, but they had nailed that. I'm not saying Zion's going to be the you know, top 20 player this year. I'm not specifically saying he's going to be better than every player on this list. But I also do bring up the fact that, again, playing last year, just raw basketball, he was really damn good. And so he's going to be playing more this year and probably have a better idea of what he's doing and health permitting. I do think he's going to be really good. But I mostly had this written down because compounded with the Pelican schedule and how many national TV games they got and him being number 19 here, people are losing their damn minds. And I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious when people lose their minds over sports uh, posts in, in general. I actually tweeted about this yesterday because LaMelo Ball 
had a uh, he, well, he put up a donut in scoring, but he made some really good passes. He didn't start in his first preseason game. It was against the Raptors. We did actually did a watch party for that on Twitch. I meant to mention the watch parties on the content part at the beginning. I forgot. Oh, I didn't have it written down. But I saw the Lamelo passes, and I was like, okay, we got about a week or two into the season before people are bitching and calling this Lamelo Center <laughs> or Lamelo on ESPN. And it's always crazy to me, right? Because they did the same thing. First, it was LeBron Center. Then it was Zion Center. And these are star players making star plays. And then a sports outlet posts about them. And then people get hurt over it. I'm like, fam. Especially if it was a nice play. Like, fam. What do you... (laughs) This goes back to what I was talking about last week. About being mad at stupid shit. I don't... I didn't see that many people going in on LaMelo. Maybe they were. I didn't look that hard. But the kid threw some nice passes. And you can see some flashes of what may be coming in the future. And of course, we're going to have to wait on that because Lonzo Ball threw nice passes too. So maybe Lamelo Ball a couple of years might be like Lonzo. Don't know yet. It's only one preseason game. But I will never not laugh at people who get angry at sports media pages covering star sports players and star sports plays. Especially because as an audience, that's what y'all react to. Y'all react to everything Skip Bayless says. Y'all react to all the top highlights. But you would not give a shit if they were talking about a team that was like, I don't know, 15th seed or a losing team. You don't care about Knicks highlights nine times out of 10. You don't care what's going on with a player that you don't keep up with. And so the minute they post a player like that, your reaction is going to be, who? It's going to be a bunch of who memes. And so why would they post about it? They adapt to the audience, fam. The audience audiences really make content more than they realize, or they shape the path for content a lot more than they realize. But that's a whole different conversation. Consumer behavior, blah blah blah. That's a an entire different bag of worms, can of worms, bag of worms. Let me go ahead and mark or strike through everything I've talked about because there's quite a bit on here. Let's keep it moving. LeBron James had some comments. Because he actually got on a podcast with Richard Jefferson last week, I think. or Yeah, probably. I, I watched some of it. I haven't watched all of it yet, but I did see some parts of it. And he was talking about his disappointment, basically, with Kyrie Irving's comments that came. I don't remember when that was. That was some months ago. It was this year, right? When Kyrie basically said that Kevin Durant was the first person that he looked at and said, damn, he can make the same shots as me. That guy can do the same thing as me. And as a matter of fact, I want his exact quote before I go on about that because I did have some thoughts about it. But we'll get we'll get to that because he was disappointed and said that all he ever wanted was the best for Kyrie and he had his people. I don't know what this means, but he said he had his people straight pull up the transcript of what he said, the full transcript, before he reacted to it. Like, he just got people on deck like, yo, give me this full transcript real quick. <laughs> He just got people on deck like that. I don't know if his people are Google or what. Well, anyways, he, he talked a little bit about the Clippers as well, but specifically the the hit piece, well, not hit piece, but the hit title for this whole thing was him saying that he is part of the two hardest championships ever, the one in 2016 and the one in 2020. Now, the one in 2016, I don't think people really question. I don't think people really question it because... <clears throat> It was the 73 and 9 Warriors, the unanimous MVP, still one of the greatest teams of all time. And they had to do a 3 1 comeback on that. And you pretty much, when you think about, if you just 
mentally take yourself back to 2016 and remember what those warriors were like you could have probably made so much money betting on them losing a 3-1 lead because there's just no way in hell especially what we thought about the warriors in relation to the cavaliers that year because when they were getting blown out when the cavaliers were getting blown out and when we got to the 3-1 part of that series i was actually bored i didn't i considered not watching game five because i was like yeah this finals was about as undefendable as i thought it was going to be that's how good that warriors team was and so you probably have a better chance of being struck by lightning than that team blowing a 3-1 lead which involved losing two games in an arena that they had hardly lost in that whole season i don't even know if they did I think they might have lost to Boston in that arena. I think. Anyways. So yeah. That one. Even if you're going to talk about the Bogut injury and Draymond suspension. Which are extremely relevant by the way. People maybe don't want them to be. They're extremely relevant. That one will always be massively impressive. Because they still had to go into Golden State in Game 7. And win that. And that is just. The, the degree of difficulty on that is fucking crazy. I even remember in game five when they the Warriors were up through one early in that game the Warriors had some momentum plays and looked like they were about to blow Cleveland out there was a couple of momentum I think there was like a three by Steph Curry the crowd was bumping it looked it had all the makings of the end of a of a series it really did and Cleveland hung on and they clung on for life at every at every stop at every step of the way in that comeback so yeah long story short i don't know why i went into such detail but that 2016 is like a war story <laughs> yeah that one no one will ever argue 2020 however now that one's interesting uh that one's interesting and i've always been interested on how that championship would be remembered if you think back to before everything happened and when we were talking about the bubble and we still didn't know how it was going to work we were talking about whether people were going to take this championship seriously Shaq said it was going to have an asterisk so they shouldn't even play of course now people troll all the time and say it's a mickey mouse ring blah 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 so i've always wondered when this day would come when we start to look at it in hindsight and lebron remembers it as the as the hardest he remembers it as the hardest because of the situation that they were playing in because of the because of the let's say routine of a normal season and a normal championship versus what he had here where you don't get to see anybody really totally isolated not around family in the middle of a global pandemic as was all the teams um the stoppage I, I imagine it was probably very difficult to stop dead in the middle of a season and be in the condition you were and be in the routine you were and not even know when you were when or if you were going to play again and didn't have to get to that level and go on a run and get the chemistry back knowing that a couple of well not a couple i think it was really like avery bradley i don't remember who else might have sat out but you had some players maybe that you thought were going to be there that weren't and then you look at it from the angle like damian lillard said lillard said it was way easier for players to go off in the bubble because everything they needed was right there there was no travel guys weren't leaving an arena late at night and getting on a plane or getting to a hotel really early in the morning there, there wasn't that grind of the travel and all the other things that come with regular basketball everything was just there you get out of the game they already have like healing shit waiting for you at the hotel it's just all right there then you just go a hoop so because of that players it was easier for players to have what we call that that bubble phenomenon that bubble murray bubble tj warren maybe that's why a couple of players were going off that was lillard's theory 
But if you take that and you apply it and you say, okay, well, that means some of these teams were better than they were supposed to be, right? And so maybe the Nuggets were better than they were supposed to be. Maybe that is not a team that would have come back 3-1 two times in a row, and especially not on the Clippers in a regular world. Maybe Murray wouldn't have been as great. We don't know. That remains to be seen. Maybe these teams that they had to play on their run were all better. Now, that would also mean they were better too, if they're all benefiting from it equally. And so there's a lot of factors that go into that, right? And there's a lot of discussion to be had there because some people will feel like, well, yeah, that was done in a gym, like an AAU style gym with barely anybody there. Maybe it wasn't the hardest or maybe it was because it was like that. That's going to be interesting to see how that pans out over the years because things, the way they remembered when they happened or the way they experienced when they, they happened, that's not how they talked about later. It's not, it does not, it's not, it doesn't happen linearly. I don't think that's a word. It doesn't happen in a linear fashion. So that's going to be very fun. But LeBron James does have it on record saying that he believes he's won. or He's been part of teams that won the two hardest championships. He had some words for the Clippers, basically. And, well, not really. He was just talking about how crazy it was that they blew a 3-1 lead. Basically, what the fuck? Like like the rest of us, right? How how did y'all get this team down 3-1 and that, like down basically 17 points in the... <laughs> What was that third or going into the fourth and then blow an entire three one lead and how they were preparing to play them all the talking that the clippers did throughout that year basically just to not even show up to the dance and that one is actually a bit more relevant that comment about the clippers because i did see a tweet as well that said the hype out of the clippers and lakers storyline it has been kind of taken out because of that it's not as interesting i still want to see the battle of la i still want to see Kawhi and lebron but I do have to, I hadn't really thought about it in that light, but it is actually kind of true that I think before the Lakers won a championship, there was a bigger storyline because the battle of LA was you got two great LA teams and they're going to have to go through each other to win a championship. And whoever is, is last man standing is victorious. And so the fact that the Clippers didn't even make it and then the Lakers won the championship, it kind of puts them as the clear top dog. They were always, I mean, it's the Lakers franchise. The Lakers franchise was always top dog over the Clippers. But specifically in this storyline, they are the clear winners right now. And so it's not as interesting. I don't think the buildup is as interesting as it was. Of course, it's still exciting and I'm still going to watch it. And I, I'm still going to have fun watching it. But yeah, I absolutely don't believe it's the same hype as it was last year during Christmas Day last year. That game was so intense. Their matchups were very intense. There was so much build up to that playoff series. It's not quite the same now. The Clippers, especially getting balled on by Orton Tucker in the <laughs> preseason right now. That boy, boy folding them like a damn lawn chair right now in the in the preseason. Because yeah, the Lakers starters aren't even playing. But the Clippers gave PG and Kawhi some run. And so that's interesting. But nobody takes preseason seriously. But it's still funny. Everything considered, that is still funny as hell. Um, yeah, I'll still be watching for it. I think the playoff series would still be interesting this year, especially because there would probably be some degree of fans there. But uh, I, I think it's one of those things where it would become infinitely more interesting if the Clippers were able to beat them this year and then go on to, to win it. Because now it would kind of be like 1-1, I guess, and championship count in that little rivalry that they're having. But I don't expect that. To be honest, the Lakers have gotten so much better. Like if Horton Tucker is going to be playing a role this year, and then you got Gasol on the second unit with passing, making things smoother, I, I don't think the Clippers are. I, last year, I thought the Clippers might have had the Lakers. This year, I, I don't. I'm not. I don't have any expectations for that. The Lakers are a really good team this year. Um, yeah. So specifically to Kyrie, let me go to because we actually have a little bit to talk about with Kyrie in this podcast. 
Kyrie's comments back in what was that March uh, let me find this real quick yeah it kind of hurt me I told you what he specifically said but I wanted to get hold on for a second all right so I finally found it I don't know why they made it that damn hard the quote was one thing I've always been comfortable with is I felt like I was the best option on every team I played for down the stretch Irving said this is the first time in my career where I can look down and be like that motherfucker can make it that shot too so that was what LeBron said hurt him a little bit when those comments were made everybody was like oh what about LeBron um this is interesting this this one is interesting i probably talked about it a little bit when it happened but of course we got the lebron context now clearly he took uh i want to say offense to it but he took it as a slight because lebron if you just look by the numbers and you look at him in the regular season and in the clutch yes lebron is a clutch player despite narratives he is absolutely a clutch player when i very first heard the quote honestly i had taken it i'm not gonna lie i don't think i had heard the full thing from from quote to quote i didn't have anybody to I didn't have anybody to just slide me a transcript. Um, oh, he actually had said more here. He said, it's not so much deferring because in past situations where I didn't take the last shot, I felt guilty. I want this game winning shot, but also you want to trust your teammates. Not that I didn't trust my teammates, but I felt like I was the best option. Okay, well, game six of the NBA finals, he does have the greatest shot in NBA finals history, probably. I, I think there's not many, you know, not much competition for that other than Ray Allen's. So it's fair to say you felt like, and as a pure shooter, especially, yeah, it's, that's maybe a fair comment, but given LeBron's track record uh, and, and of being clutch, maybe he doesn't have so many buzzer beaters in the playoffs or whatnot, but being clutch with maybe free throws in the Golden State game in game seven or in game seven against San Antonio, where he hit the, basically the dagger over Kawhi Leonard, which I think is one of the more underrated shots. Um, it's when I first heard it, I really took it as more like Kyrie is a pure shooter. KD is a pure shooter as pure shooters. They're probably better than LeBron James in that aspect, just as in who do you want behind the line shooting threes? You know, Kevin Durant is one of the greatest shooters ever. Kyrie, one of the most skilled players ever. That's kind of how I was thinking of it. But I definitely can see from these quotes how it can be like you're playing. You, you played with a GOAT candidate who has had his fair share of clutch moments and it does look like here where he's saying he, he was trying to clean it up a little bit where it's like he was just saying he felt like he was the best option and not that he couldn't trust his teammates but he thought he was that guy i don't know man it's gonna it <laughs> players <laughs> players do do a lot of politicking when they make quotes like this so it's not misconstrued um but down the stretch i'm not gonna lie if you look at it and w back when that cavaliers team was playing when it was lebron and it was Kyrie. I'm not necessarily mad if either of them take that shot. And just like when they went to him in the NBA Finals and they drew that play up and LeBron James was cool with saying, we're going to Kyrie Irving this play. I don't know if you would say like, oh, he's the best option. Like, who do you want taking the last shot here? Kyrie Irving or LeBron. But Kyrie has had his fair share, like Christmas Day against the Warriors. He's had his fair share of clutch moments, man. It's not like he's talking out his ass here. It is not like he's talking out his ass. It's just that LeBron has got his gauntlet too, like the game winner against the Bulls that might have saved their run in 2015. I think what it really is, what I'm trying to get to here, is where th that specific quote, the the hit line that says, this is the first time in my career where I can look down and be like, that motherfucker can make that shot too. And see, it's because of before that where he says he's talking about down the stretch. That implies that, yeah, playing with all my other teammates, including a LeBron James, 
I didn't feel like he could make that shot. And I felt like I was the best option. KD is the first guy where I don't feel as bad if I don't take the shot. When LeBron James, you could probably feel comfortable if he was taking a last shot as well. And he gets throughout his career. I think that's a stereotype that he's probably broken now. But throughout his career, it was a stereotype that, oh, he might pass or he's not hitting the actual buzzer beater. But if it's hitting it in like the last 10 seconds or five seconds, I'm not sure the exact stats on that. But he has those. But people don't people don't like those as much as the ones that are that, that basically shut the entire game out. Either way, yeah, the comment at the end there, I, I could see how as a GOAT candidate, you probably take that as a slight. LeBron James clearly took it as a slight. And hey, that's why we have a season. This is why we have a season, man. Warriors and Lakers. Sorry, I'm thinking I'm still thinking about KDB out of the Warriors. The Nets and Lakers is a very feasible NBA Finals matchup that could happen. And uh for reasons that we can talk about now. Actually, I mean, they've only played one preseason together, but I did want to talk about Kyrie and KD making it back on the floor and beating the Wizards last night. I believe they ended up winning. But Kyrie and KD, I don't think finished the game. Um, they looked good, man. They looked good. Here's what was happening. So Westbrook didn't play, Bradley Beal didn't play, and immediately, like Kyrie went to fucking work, man. Kyrie looked like he had something to prove. He was not playing with these backups. I was like, bro, if if they if I'm a backup and Westbrook, I hear Westbrook's not playing tonight, and I got to go out there and guard Kyrie. Why are you doing this to me, bro? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> it's one of the best handles in NBA history, if, if if not the best, probably second best at worst. Why are you doing this to me in preseason? So he looked nice. KD was going out there and being aggressive. Uh, but what we were looking for is their health, because that's the question with this duo is health. It's not skill. It's health. It's is KD the same player after one of the more serious injuries that you can have? Kyrie Irving, is he because his injuries don't linger as much, but is he going to stay healthy? And he hasn't played basketball in a while. So what does he look like right now? And so he looked great. He looked like Kyrie that we know. KD, I think in the second half was missing a lot of shots that you might see go in later in the season, but they weren't wild misses. They were like front of the rim type misses on the, the, the on the line type misses. So it wasn't anything crazy. He didn't look considerably slower. He was still getting to his skilled moves. The one leg fadeaways took a mid range shot over uh, Rui. I think I think it was Rui Hachimura after the uh jab step although Rui was also going at him on defense which you can expect it's probably going to take a while for kd i think on the defensive end mostly is where you'll see like a massive drop players will probably go at him more to really test where his legs are and that'll probably take him a while to get back because he hasn't played in what, what was the amount of days i didn't i don't remember the exact amount of days he's been gone but it's been a long time bro 2019 toronto finals that shit went like that it went fast but it's actually been a while and so what ends up happening is people start tweeting. People start tweeting, oh, this team, this looks scary. Kyrie and KD are looking scary. And of course, the natural reaction, because that does seem like a, the, the, the manner in which the tweets are written look like an overreaction to them playing their first preseason game against bench players. But the, the natural reaction swings back way too far where people go, who cares? This doesn't prove anything. They're playing the Wizards. Okay. But the thing is, Kyrie and KD, we're not looking for them to prove anything really other than that, other than their physical shape. That's really it. It's not like Kyrie and KD aren't like that. That's what the type of tweets that people that I saw about Kyrie and KD. Those are the things that you say when you're talking about a rookie player. And so if a rookie player comes out and just absolutely dominates a second unit or like, say, a lotto pick comes out and just dominates a, a scrub team, basically. 
of course, like last year, I think Zion was looking really good in preseason, but we expected that from Zion. That he's a special situation because we saw what he did in high school. We saw what he did in college. It looked like more of the same against pros. So this is kind of what you expected to see. Pretty much like what you expect to see with Kyrie and KD. But if it's somebody like just, just coming out of the blue and dominating, that's when you kind of say, okay, let's wait until the regular season. With Kyrie and KD, they're like that, bro. They're like that. We can't tweet about these guys like they aren't like that. We know what they are. We know what we get from them. So we're just looking to confirm that they are okay. That's it. And so I think what people were excited about is the fact that they look like they're okay. I'm pretty sure when you put Kyrie and K, if they look physically okay again on a basketball court against whoever they're playing, I'm pretty sure just like they have their entire careers, when you put them against more challenges, they are still going to be pretty damn good. They're still going to be, I don't know, I'm not exactly saying KD is going to be exactly what he was pre-injury, which I don't even know if that's really what you saw last night, but it's just the fact that neither one of them looked like they'd completely fallen off with the time and the injuries that have happened. That's the important thing there. That's what. I, that's all I was looking for. KD could have dropped 50 last night, and of course, I would have just been like, well, yeah, I still need to see it. In, I still need to see him in a regular season. I need to see him through a season. But for last night in the first preseason game, all we were checking for is what they look like, and they looked good. That was the only thing. We don't really need to we don't really need the we don't really need the receipts on these guys is what i'm trying to say yeah it's the wizards but it's Kyrie and kd we don't need that much confirmation i just need to see that he can still spin and i said and confidently as well i just need to see that he can still be aggressive i just need to see that he can still fade away you know he can do the same things this week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. And so, yeah, we're going to see throughout the course of a season. He played power forward last night, by the way. Mike D'Antoni, or KD said that he expected to play power forward in center minutes. There is a lot that they can do, I think, with combinations of lineups, considering the players that they have. And considering that some of those guys were starting last year and now on the bench, so there's plenty that they can do with this team. They are going to be an offensive threat. Defensively, who knows? But when you have offensive threats like that, I guess you just kind of go and figure it out. And knowing Mike D'Antoni is, is having is such a hand in that team, I think it's, I think offensively is mostly where you expect the damage from Brooklyn. So yeah, it's just their first game. Um, but I got what I was looking for and I'm excited to see them play. Uh, if people were coming into this season and expecting the Nets to do poorly for any other reason than injuries, I don't really know why, because I've always been under the impression that if Kyrie and KD were healthy, that this would be a high seed team and that they would be contending that's just always what i thought now if Kyrie's shoulder acts up or his knee acts up or kd uh on a non-contact move starts limping or something like that then i'm like okay there we go that's how this team falls apart basketball wise i psh, this is why i said if you're milwaukee that's why i said in my video earlier this week if you're milwaukee or you're any of these teams you want to get hardened at pretty much any cost that you can because this conference is now serious man this eastern conference is now serious that's what brings me to the dark horse teams when so somebody actually asked me a question about dark horse teams but i'm not going to answer that in the question section i can i can integrate it here and uh in the predictions that i did like if i'm looking at the eastern conference dark horse teams there really isn't one because sixers celtics heat nets bucks those are all eastern contenders to me but then it falls off a cliff i don't i don't think the raptors are serious contenders to go to the finals anymore 
the Wizards, not serious contenders, go to the finals. Hawks, not serious contenders. So it goes from those. And by the way, the reason I say this is such a strong conference is because those are still good teams. The Raptors are still a good team. Uh, the Wizards, I liked what I saw from Danny, by the way, because he he did play last night. The Wizards rookie. Uh, I like the confidence I saw from him. I think he's going to be a big part of that team this year. So, like I said, I believe the Wizards are a playoff team, and I believe the Hawks are too. So you got playoff team, playoff team, playoff team, and then straight Eastern contenders from there. And so with there being no surprise from those five, I don't believe the Eastern Eastern Conference has a dark horse this year. The Western Conference, I think that there's one dark horse. So if you look at the West and say, who are we not surprised if they make the NBA Finals? Obviously the Lakers. The Clippers, you're not surprised. They were supposed to make it further than they did last year. And they got Ibaka. I think they did. That was a pretty good move for them this offseason. They still need to make a trade, I think, though. But yes, the Clippers have Kawhi and PG. That shouldn't be a surprise. The Nuggets are no longer a dark horse team, man. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Bubble Murray was putting up 50 every other night. Maybe he might not do the same thing this year. But all I'm saying is they're not a surprise to anybody anymore. This should not shock anybody if the Nuggets go on a run. Uh, MPJ is a lot better or something. They're not expected to make the finals past a team like the Lakers. But if they're there, that's feasible. So I don't consider them a dark horse team anymore. Now, the difference here is because of the way that conference is set up, because you have the Lakers that are just pretty much clear cut to me the best team there you don't really expect as many teams whereas the eastern conference is kind of like it's it's a lot more ambiguous to me i don't really know which one of these is going i can look at the west and say i think the lakers are going um but yeah after that there's, there's a lot less yeah so there's a lot less ambiguity there but also in this conference if i'm looking at the rosters i don't think the mavericks first of all Kristaps knee is suspect don't know what's going on there and so that's going to leave Luka to do a lot of the work. And I also don't think they made a ton of pickups this summer that takes them from where they were last year to all of a sudden making the finals or beating a team like the Clippers or beating the Lakers or hell, even beating the Nuggets. Although I do think Luka's going to have an amazing season and probably I, I think he's going to be MVP, honestly. But I think I'm going to save that for a video. I could do that here, but I actually want to make a, a clear cut video about why I think Luka could end up with the MVP this year. Um, the Blazers made good pickups, but I just never see that as a championship team. I just don't. I never see Damian Lillard in a couple of good pickups as a championship team. I always think he needs a second star with him. I think he, uh, not star, no disrespect to CJ McCollum. I'm talking about a second superstar player. I'm talking about a guy that's like that. That's like Lillard. CJ is very nice offensively. He's not a superstar. If you're talking about a dark horse for me in the Western Conference, despite me expecting or tempering my expectations for them this year, a dark horse for me is the Warriors. That's my dark horse. And I think that's my only dark horse because they've still got Steph Curry. They got Draymond Green. So that's the remnants of their old championship team. I think they did a good job in Klay Thompson's absence of filling out what they could. And so you got Kelly Uber there. Uh, we're hoping that Wiggins takes some steps up. He's going to have to for this roster to be any good. And then you've got a number one pick, which is a wild card in James Wiseman. And so that could end up being kind of big for them and so a team with championship remnants that's done a somewhat decent job of putting together something for the season despite the injuries that's why i would say depending on what type of season steph has that's why i say dark horse now remember the definition of dark horse dark horse is a team that if they end up in the nba finals you're not totally completely shocked 
but that's also not the team that you looked at at the beginning of the season and it really kind of put them in the conversation. So last year, I think that was it was Miami. Miami and the Nuggets last year were my dark horses. And the reason Miami was back there is because I looked at it and I was like, that's a good team. That's a good, solid team. But I need to see them actually get past some of these teams first. And then, of course, once they got when once I saw them play the Bucks in the regular season, I kind of knew that they were food whenever they met in the playoffs, if they met in the playoffs, because I thought they matched them perfectly. But again, everything is about matchups. So I thought there was a chance to get beat the Bucks and, and lose to someone else. There was a chance of that, by the way. We were so close to a game seven. Whatever. I'm not having a conversation right now. So yeah, the Warriors fit that bill for me of a team that has pieces still. A team that knows how. But I'm not off the bat where we are right now picking them to make the NBA Finals. But if we get there and something happened, maybe the Lakers were taken out by the Clippers, something like that, a path like that, I could fathom it is what I'm saying. Because if you're looking at the Warriors and series against teams like maybe the Blazers or the Suns and whatnot, there's paths to them to, to kind of get up on the rungs, right? And I think they would have a much stronger case, obviously, with Klay Thompson. If they were running this year, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, and Wiseman, I think they would have a much better chance at this. And maybe they would even move up to... uh like actual contender i feel bad for warriors fans despite all the success they've had to really have a roster that's kind of that close to contention and be missing your piece which may never come back the same now that's that's tough i really don't wish it on anybody so yeah that's my dark horse conversation um to be honest with you why did we get on that conversation there was something that tied right into that i don't know whatever it was it made sense i'm sure it makes sense when i play it back and i wanted to include that there um oh yeah we were kind of talking about the nets a little bit and james harden trades and teams and making the finals which could kind of lead us to the Giannis saga that is ever developing because by my watch Giannis now has seven days to sign a supermax contract that he has not signed yet uh and if he hasn't signed it yet i don't know why he would sign it in another seven days and i also don't feel like he's going to because hey Giannis's barber made a post and let me just make sure I have this 100% on document so I don't say anything wrong I just typed like a grandpa right there Giannis got a he got a, a now deleted farewell message from his barber his barber said love you bro and go do what's best for you and your family Bucks team Barber makes posts thanking Giannis for the past six years and says he wishes the best for him and his family. And then he edited the post later on. Because, yeah, he said too much there. <laughs> he said too fucking much. This would be the equivalent of, like, you know, me and, me and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. We're friends. This would be like me in some six years, say Reese is a star player or whatever he's doing in his career. And then I post on my gram something that gives the illusion that he's about to leave his team. That's saying, that's saying and doing too much. If I was Giannis, I would be mad. Why the fuck did you do that, bro? <laughs> like, why did you do that? That's it. Okay, but it, I get I get how, as Giannis' barber, maybe he thinks it was harmless. You know, maybe it's a harmless post. You're just supporting your friend. But I guess you could also make that mistake if you're not in touch with how media works and how fans work. Because this is like red meat to that base. This is basically how this comes out to people is it sounds like you're his barber and you're his close personal friend for the last few years. And we know how barbershop talk works, and especially y'all. Y'all watched plenty. 
and the way that works is uh you know you say something and you got some now you're thinking a certain way and so that makes you say something else and it seems like the barber got tipped that oh either he's not signing this extension or he's thinking about it or he's very conflicted and the barber knows it and he knows he might not be back and so he makes that post which looks like a hey man look i understand you might not be here but we understand and we support you and for an mvp player who very well may be on the move that's just not a great that's not a great look that's not a great look to have out there um but it does line up with everything it's lined up with everything it lines up with bogdanovic supposedly having been a buck and then he wasn't it lines up with the fact that we don't have pen to paper yet it lines up with Giannis saying uh what did he say last week what i said on the podcast which was it sounded crazy he said um oh i'm just focused on me right now he's not thinking about his free agency that's a hit word bro that's a hit phrase i've heard that so many times from guys that are no longer with their parent team <laughs> all of that lines up that with this barbershop post all of that lines up bro it's like it's like putting pieces of a puzzle together that shit all lines up together they fit perfectly <laughs> I feel so bad, but they just do. They just fit perfectly. And so I don't suspect that in a week we will have Giannis inked on a contract. I don't suspect that we will have a Giannis championship this year. I don't suspect that we will have James Harden on the Bucks. And so like, hey man, things are things are aligning a certain way where Milwaukee fans have been mad at us for talking about it for like a year now about what Giannis was going to do after this season. But everything is always pointed a certain way. And uh, yeah, this barbershop post did not help anything. And that's all I'm going to say, because, hey, maybe he does sign in a week. Uh, maybe things completely change or maybe they do get a trade and things completely change. But right now, they don't look good, man. They do not look good. This is going to be a fun season. Um, well, for somebody who did sign their contract and we can expect them to see with their team for at least a few more years, we know they're not going anywhere immediately unless they just trade him like they did Blake Griffin. Paul George signed with the Clippers an extension where apparently he's going to be now making $226 million, I think, was the number over the next five years. I always like accuracy. So uh, I just want to get you the full thing. Paul George just signed i know y'all didn't put me on bing again i only get tried there we go also four times a max five year 226 million dollar extension and boy were people shocked because this whole summer look first of all paul george has become a worse player on twitter than he actually is let's just put that out there first um his beef with dame him stinking it up in the bubble the playoff p comment they came years ago when nothing good has come out of playoff p since he's become a much worse player on twitter than he actually is in real life and so he gets this contract extension and people are like what the fuck how did this happen that seems like it happened backwards because well the talks were that the clippers did all this for pg and Kawhi, and they both had the option to leave next summer and i said that i said specifically they bet so much on these guys that they have to make something shake almost immediately but i also said you don't really expect Paul George and Kawhi to leave because they both seem like they are at where they want to be. Now, Kawhi Leonard, I can't tell. He's a wild card. I, yeah, He did all this to get to LA, so I assume he wants to be there, but you never know what he's going to do, right? He won a championship and left, so he can do anything he wants. But if you're the Clippers, first of all, Paul George is still a good player. He didn't have a great season last year, but you did a lot to get this guy. You did a lot to get this guy, so you either have to keep him or you have to get pieces for him you cannot have him walk away you can't have that happen 
That's like the all your picks are gone, fam. You got no no high no current high schoolers, no current high school stars you see right now are on your radar in the future. They're not gonna be with your franchise. They're never gonna come to you in free agency. None of that shit's happening. So you gotta make something out of this Paul George and Kawhi situation, and specifically with PG. And so yes, that's a lot of money for a guy that did not have a great showing. That seems like maybe his best days are behind him. But remember that they traded Blake Griffin right after he signed an extension. He signed a contract. They traded him immediately. They got rid of that man quick, which at, I mean, where we are right now, that wasn't a bad move because signing him to all that money, uh, he's been, he was injury prone already. He's been injured since he got to Detroit and the Clippers, meanwhile, are quotation marks contending now. So that was a good move in hindsight. And it was it was necessary because they would have just been stuck with the hurt Blake and the franchise would have been complete garbage. So now you got Paul George under contract. At least you control one variable. He's not going anywhere on his own in the next five years. What happens this season with that is now important because now the problem is obviously if he gets worse than he was last season, you have him on what will become a terrible contract and then he'll become hard to move. So you're making a bet that he's going to be better that he's going to take your franchise somewhere either that you know he's going to help take your franchise somewhere this year maybe a finals appearance this year or you're going to be able to move him say next year or the year after if he doesn't it's not a sure thing it's not even a great thing but all of those scenarios are infinitely better than this season being complete garbage and him deciding hey i want to go somewhere else I want to sign with another team. <laughs> Fucking, I'll take a pay cut to play for the Lakers. <laughs> you give you lose somebody else to across the hall. Not that that would never happen. I don't think that would happen. I mean, we've seen weirder stuff, but yeah, you you get my point. They kind of had no choice but to work with PG in any way that they can, considering everything they gave up for him. Because that that situation could have gone south really really quickly. So you at least want to be able to have some influence and control over his future. This does give the Clippers that. Now we just have to see how things work out because the value of that contract, obviously he's not worth $226 million at this specific moment in day. But if he comes out this year and he says he feels as good as he did when he was having his MVP campaign, which is what he did say. And of course, people took it literally. Oh, you never had an MVP season, PG. Oh, uh, yeah, y'all were y'all were caping for this man, actually, when Giannis was clearly the MVP. But then the MVP G campaign came out of nowhere because people just have to have conflict every year with the MVP, even though it's settled like months before most of the time. So, yeah, he did have an MVP campaign season. We're not going to rewrite history. That did happen. That was a thing. And uh, we'll have to see because this is a massive impact what happens next is a massive impact on the Clippers' future and they did a lot to get this but hey when you're a franchise that knows nothing but turmoil this is technically a better situation you've ever been in like at least you have something to work with right this is better than just waiting for the next superstar to be drafted to your team and infinitely losing but uh look, when you're the Clippers franchise a little bit better is a lot better that's what that is so we'll see what happens with the paul george situation i wish him the best this season because we, we often forget that he came back from a broken leg, a gruesomely broken leg. Of course, it looked worse than it actually was, but still, if you're a player that you know has an injury like that, I think mentally is, I think the mental part of that is what kind of becomes tough. Uh, oh, I did, j just circling back to the Giannis thing, because I had these split. I should have had these together. That's my fault. Uh, Masai Ujiri, the, the guy who runs the operations for the Raptors, <laughs> He, <laughs> sorry, a video came out of them trying to get Giannis 
on the Raptors. Right, the Raptors, right? Because was he was he really there when Giannis? Yeah, okay, yeah, the Raptors. Of them trying to get Giannis when he was being drafted. And so they had the camera rolling inside the room when they were making their um, choices that night or trying to deal with teams. And I don't think they selected anybody that night, but they were trying to like do deals with teams and whatnot. And so it's very clear on there that they believed in Giannis back then. And that video just so happened to drop at this time where the water's getting murky on Giannis's next situation. So also just wanted to put that out there because that also doesn't help anything if you're wanting Giannis to sign a contract. Not that it weighs super heavily. A video does not weigh super heavily, but it is very, uh, interesting that that video dropped at this time and it's been in the vault all this time there's never be so before seen footage anywhere and now we see it that hey <laughs> a, a suitor for Giannis they believed in you before and so that seems like a pretty interesting pitch when it comes time to talk to him which by the way the Raptors could desperately use because I talked about them earlier if you rewind in the podcast we were talking about how they've ever since Kawhi left it's going down every season and eventually you end up in no man's land where they spent a long time at and so it would really help them in this little slide that they're having to pick up their next to pick up their future basically because they don't Pascal Siakam's great but he's good but I don't know if he's your future superstar and even if he is I would think he's the guy that's gonna bring you back to glory and so it would be amazing if they could pick up Giannis and they have a good pitch because they still have a good team just right now it's not a championship team and it may be one ironically one of the few places that he fits because again we always talk about Miami I don't really know if he fits there let's talk about where else is he at where is he actually gonna go where he fits he fits in Dallas but can Dallas get him you see what I mean it, it's kind of tough it becomes kind of tough but people will move things around to accommodate the MVP all right yeah I should have talked about that earlier though the momentum wasn't great Ah, there was fake news last week man there was fake news or so i thought so i'll take my l i'll take my l because i had a whole rant about fake news and the nba media and who are your sources and bro the the nba i once again I, i think i'll have one of these moments every week of why is the nba like this because when that report came out that Kyrie wasn't going to talk to the media immediately his his publicist the, the full thing came out that hey we never said he wasn't talking to the media we just said that he's gonna have a better relationship with them so that's all we had to go off of last week that's the information that we had and then more information came out well not even more information the actual action came out Kyrie did not talk to the media and he was fine and when he was fined he said (laughs) I don't owe y'all shit I don't have to do shit for nobody that's not what you said I'm using old Kyrie Irving quotes um no he had his pawns comment Kevin Kevin Love reacted to it. All this information. <laughs> this is on Boston.com. So he had a whole post. I'll read you the post. First of all, he quoted Malcolm X. That's interesting. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole Malcolm X quote, but what he actually said on his story was, I pray that we utilize the, quote, fine money for the marginalized communities in need, especially seeing where our world is presently. I am here for peace, love, and greatness. So stop distracting me and my team and appreciate the art. We move different over here. I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. Uh, I don't exactly know what that emoji is, but then he has the yelling emoji. I do not talk to pawns. Okay. So look, when news like this comes out, evermore in the future, I'm always going to put a disclaimer. If it, as it relates to Kyrie, let's wait and see what happens. 
<laughs> let's wait and see what happens which i might have said last week but also they made it pretty clear her his publicist like even his publicist got a curveball here i'm not the only one okay me and my random ass podcast i'm not the only one who got a curveball here because they they cleaned that up nicely publicist was like no we didn't say he wasn't talking we just said it's the start of a, a, a better relationship with the media didn't know exactly what that meant but it didn't sound like he was gonna do this and so he didn't talk to them apparently he's gonna get fined if he doesn't i don't know if he's gonna show up in front of the media now and just say hi or wave or whatever i don't know what he's gonna do now it's probably gonna be a spectacle or maybe he's just not gonna talk at all i i don't have a clue where this is going but i do not talk to pawns as a matter of fact i think i don't know if this one will be on google this will this will probably be easier to find on twitter i heard that mike breen the legendary commentator maybe my favorite commentator commented on that on live did he say yeah <laughs> mike breen was raving about Taylor horton tucker aka kd and he said what do i know i'm only a pawn from what i'm told <laughs> hey yo i've never seen him get i've never seen him with with shade bro i've never seen him i've never i've never seen him interject interject himself into any of this that's pretty funny uh yeah man look Mm. yeah Kyrie's situation with the media is always rocky it's just not good bro it's just not good it's just not good I get why the media could be annoying but it's never been good from back when he told everyone he was signing with Boston and then mid-season story had changed uh all the you know the, the type of things that he puts out into the media sometimes because at the end of the day he does really good things and he's a good dude uh, but his relationship doesn't seem like it's going to be a good one with the media. Who fucking cares, though? Like, I don't. I don't. I just, I find all this entertaining, honestly. Really, Kyrie and KD on the court is really what I'm focused on. I'd give a damn if they do backflips in their press conference. Because press conferences don't tell us anything anyways, bro. They don't. They're stupid questions. They're dumb questions. Oh, Kyrie, how did, how did you feel tonight about your teammate? What do you want me to say when my teammate sitting in the locker room about to hear what i'm gonna say what do you think i'm gonna say about my teammate none of these questions ever reveal anything fam these days you get more out of players being on podcasts and and saying what they say and then like when Kyrie said what he really felt about himself being the uh, best option down the clutch like we talked about earlier you hear these things in podcasts you hear what paul george really thought about how he was using the offense when they're just sitting around talking with their homies that's when you hear what they really think these press conferences they're useless unless unless a player goes off script and and creates conflict within his team which happens sometimes those are normally media fiascos other than that they don't provide anything the most media trained answer in the world does not provide anything so i don't care i don't care yeah it's a part of the job and you make millions of dollars and this shouldn't be hard for you blah, blah whatever bro but i don't learn anything from these i would probably feel more of a type of way about it if i got anything from a post-game press conference but you don't if i got anything from these generic answers i would feel some type of way but you don't so this just kind of is what it is i'm gonna watch them hoop this year and i'm gonna enjoy it and <laughs> and this is gonna be a spectacle because it's already start like the pawns comment is like shit <laughs> that's the type of energy we're on now shit yeah either you know he's gonna show up and it's gonna be a circus or he's not gonna show up and it's still gonna be a circus that's that's what the situation is with Kyrie. it's 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 confusing that's exactly what it is and yeah so apparently whatever source last week said that he wasn't gonna be talking to the media i guess they had it right or maybe he saw that and he was like ah good idea i wasn't going to but you know hey, 
Whatever. That's where we are. Some of the stuff that happened in preseason, by the way, I don't 100% understand. Uh, Obi Toppin was very fun to watch in his first game. And I saw that he wasn't starting, Lamella wasn't starting, although I assume that these guys are going to be starting very close to the start of the season, if not at the beginning. But what I really didn't get was like with the Knicks, right? You start Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson over Obi and... Sorry, 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 sorry. Julius Randle and Nerlens Noel over Obi and Mitch. And I talked to some Knicks fans and they go, oh, well, Obi really can't defend right now. So that's one thing I can understand. And they're saying we have veterans on this team and Tibbs, the way he coaches, he wants his players to earn it. So, okay, I get that. And also you have to see that Tibbs has a job to keep as well. And so maybe if you put your rookie who can't really defend and give him starter minutes in this professional league, that puts your job on the line because you're going to end up losing games. But you're probably going to be losing games anyway. So I get the clashing. I get what clashes there. But also, it looks very weird when I see the Knicks starting lineup because the way I see them is this team is nothing but... And they have some vets on there, but, I mean, they're all young. Julius Randle's still relatively young, so is Noel. But I see it as, okay, this team is probably not fighting for a playoff spot this year. This team is probably not going to do much winning in the near future. I thought the goal was kind of player development right now. Develop Mitchell Robinson specifically, because I think he has a lot of raw talent that can be utilized. And Obi, I really like what I saw from him in game one as well. We're going to have to wait and see, obviously. It's just preseason. But I think he probably has a good future. And so, why bury them? Not bury them. They're not buried on the bench. They just come off the bench. Does it really even matter if they play enough minutes? I don't know. The structure just kind of seemed weird to me, because I understand why Tips would probably do that. But it's also like this team is not really competing for anything. And their most important, the most important thing to that franchise is that a couple of years down the road, these young pieces that they've drafted turn into something. And so Randall is pretty much already at his ceiling. I don't think he's getting a whole lot better than he is right now. Same thing with Nerlens Noel. He plays, he's a role player. Honestly, I think Nerlens is really a player that should be on a contending team somewhere playing a role. That's really his, he has a, he, that's what his set brings uh, to a young developing team. I'm not really sure what purpose it serves and so yeah the Knicks structure was confusing but we'll we'll continue watching i'll actually be excited to see the Knicks this year because i do want to see some over topping at the top of his game but um the pistons waved jello just like that i think the more shocking thing there was the fact that he they did it already where it's on what the pistons played two games and he didn't play a single minute so I guess they saw what they needed to in practice. He was there for a training camp spot anyways, people said. And so like it wasn't supposed to be a surprise that he was gone. But I think, again, if he had been waived maybe a little bit into the season or right before the season started, I thought it would have probably... I think it would have been a shocking. It was affected. The man didn't even take the warm-ups off yet. The warm-ups. Yeah, so Jello is not in the NBA like we thought. The NBA only has two balls, not three. The presentation of the arenas. I think this is the last NBA, uh, almost the last thing I have. As a matter of fact, no, I'll get to that. The, the, the presentations will be the last thing. Um, did want to talk a little bit about Reese because he played his first games. We actually did a watch party, so I missed that in the content section. A lot of what we're doing on Twitch this year 
is watch parties for games uh good thing it's preseason, so i've worked out some of the kinks i realized that i'm only doing watch parties for national games because i did a watch party for like steph curry's first game but it wasn't televised it was on league pass and i realized very quickly nobody had any access to the games even if some people are finding their allegedly legal ways to watch the games in my stream it's only a couple of people out of the hundreds that are there and so it, it was like i was talking to myself it was very awkward so i'll be doing watch parties for games this year but only ones that we can watch together i'm not going to be secondary commentary while y'all are like oh what's happening <laughs> like i'm fucking translating the game for y'all like it, it like y'all are listening to it on the radio in in the 1960s or some shit or the mouth type thing right now only games we can watch together i don't show the game i show the scoreboard but you can hear it so yeah that's what a watch party is and we did one for reese tyrese halliburton because he was he streams with us obviously and uh it was it was pretty cool it's pretty cool because we've uh, we've had him around a bit. It's pretty cool to see him get into his first game because we've been all talking about that for a while. His first game wasn't as good as his second game, obviously. He got comfortable really quickly, so I doubt anybody really saw it because it happened at, what, 9 at night and it wasn't nationally televised. But I did watch it. I'm pretty much catching all of those because it's pretty cool. Like, it, it's, it's, people always ask, uh, how did. I think new people are coming to the streams like more and more often. So I always get the question, how'd you meet Reese? How'd you meet Reese? I stopped answering it because I get it every single stream and it's like a broken record. But saying it on the podcast, I haven't said it before. Again, it was through 2K mods earlier this year when I was making mods videos. He's a gamer or specifically like 2K. So he was interested in them. And apparently he had already been watching me before. Uh, that, that was a thing that he said. He had been watching my videos before. And so he reached out and I taught him a little bit about mods. And then we ended up streaming together and playing 2K together. And so when it, it is weird, because obviously this is the first season I've known anybody that plays in the NBA or kept regular contact with anybody that plays in the NBA. But it's not at all strange, though, because... I just know him as Reese that plays 2K and streams with us. It's like a friend, basically. And so it'd be like if one of my friends that I that I knew and we played a lot together also plays in the league. It really just feels like you're just watching a friend do what he does. Uh, it's nothing. It's nothing that crazy, especially because, like I said, I had I'd come up and seen plenty of NBA players when I was younger and I had never been like starstruck or ran up to them or anything like that. I've always kind of saw them as people. And so especially now that this is actually a friend, this is just Reese that comes and plays 2K with us and that we all laugh and hang with really uh, doing what he does. And yeah, he had a much better second game. He had, I think, 11, 6 and 5. Um, really good at reading passing lanes so far is what I've seen. He's gotten a couple of steals. He's made even the steals that he didn't get were like you know, maybe a half a second off. So good at reading that. Great at ball movement. So when you see him, he doesn't play as much with De'Aaron Fox yet. I saw him, I think, one time out there with De'Aaron Fox on the court. But mostly he's coming off the second unit. And yeah, he came up with what seven assists i think he had a seven i think he had six or seven assists last night but he had more potential assists than that so doing a good job setting up teammates so far he's throwing a few lobs executes fast breaks really well and uh, it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be exciting to see how that develops because obviously with the kings at this specific moment uh, i think they're starting lineup they're going with fox healed at the two and barnes at the three and so we don't know exactly what's going on with healed and we don't know exactly what's uh who else on the team? I forgot. There was somebody else on the team. Oh, yeah. Bagley's not back yet either. So he's going to be inserted into the starting lineup. But yeah, if Reese, when he does play with Fox, he's obviously playing the two and he can shoot too. So I see them have him in the corner. I see they have him in the corner spacing a lot of the times. And so 
that won't be as much that really won't be an issue because i was curious about that when he got drafted there i was like oh this is a lottery pick point guard and they have De'Aaron fox so i was confused but they can they can use him as the two out there with fox and the ball movement will it gets better when he's on the floor so it's pretty interesting uh, most of you will only be able to catch king's games through highlights i don't even know that many of you are unless you're a king's fan are making the effort to see those so yeah if you're interested and you're part of the stream and you know reese yeah i guess you'll have to be depending on the king's youtube account post highlights basically <laughs> and uh seeing it there but i do I mean, me and ben and all of them we always we keep and we keep track of that type of stuff so it's pretty interesting and uh yeah his second game he first game he looked nervous not gonna lie first game even he even he came on stream i think like the next day no we weren't i don't think we were streaming yet yeah we were streaming actually because me and tom and everybody and he was like yeah nah i was looking crazy out there and yeah he was a bit nervous to shoot at first so he did seem a bit more aggressive last night definitely less afraid to shoot he had a really strong take to the rim and so yeah that's what happens when you're a rookie i guess especially when you come in and you're playing around established guys like darren flux just got a damn hundred million dollar contract buddy heel just got paid so you're kind of playing in a hierarchy and uh, I can see where the nerves would come from, but looking much more comfortable in the second game. So that's interesting. That's fun to watch. The NBA is going to be fun to watch this season. And that is the end of the NBA section. God damn, I'm already like an hour and a half. I need some water, bro. That was a lot. Oh, that was a lot. I still have a good amount to go too. Am I going to do two hours today? Hmm. Told you there was a lot of content, man. That's just what it is. Rate this shit five stars, nothing less. <laughs> cyberpunk we're on to the game and uh just media section today actually because more than one thing uh try to kind of get through this because i really don't want it to be two hours but if it is it is whatever quality um only game news this week is cyberpunk cyberpunk release i brought it to stream one time for those of you asking if i'm going to keep bringing it to stream yes yes i will uh, before watch parties i'll play games sometimes so you'll see it then you'll see it at half times but cyberpunk is such a huge game that it's also something that i've come to reality with the type of streamer that i am i'm not going to beat it all on stream pause i'm not gonna beat the entire game on stream the entire game yeah first of all especially depending on how you play it you can put a lot of time into it the game itself so far is at a slow burn so i kind of want to get out of the slow section before i uh bring it back and so i'm playing it a bit on my own and i'm still getting used to it honestly i'm still trying to get used to it i'm still trying to because there's just so much now i guess i guess we'll talk about like the part that you probably heard about if you don't have it uh the glitches i have not really ran into many glitches on like a lot of people maybe because i haven't put put in hours into the game but the only glitches so far what i've ran into are things like uh you know graphics rendering in front of you like there might be something that pops in on the screen in front of you like a car um and not like when you're driving i saw it happen to tbh he, he was driving and cars popped in front of him so i haven't experienced that but i have been like turning the camera and i see stuff loading in late so things like that um there was a situation where your little teammate at the beginning of the game he walked through a door and he was holding two pistols and the pistols just like he kept walking but the pistols were hanging in midair like i guess they duplicated or something and as i walked through the door there were two pistols just hanging in the doorway just just floating but he still had his in his hand so those type of glitches i've run into those but i haven't run into well yes i did i ran into one one that i think was a glitch so check it out uh first of all yeah i got a felony i was trying to run away from the cops tried to go through an alleyway and then at a certain point there was like an invisible wall the car just couldn't go anymore now i'm not sure if because it's a place that the car that cars aren't permitted 
But if it is, it, that wasn't clear to me. I didn't see anything on the screen that said cars weren't permitted. I didn't see anything like that, but I couldn't go anymore. I couldn't accelerate. I found out later that I could reverse, but yeah, I was so confused by not being able to accelerate with the car just stopping with no alerts anywhere that that felt more like a glitch. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Other glitch I had, I was doing side missions because that's what I'm doing a lot right now, trying to get used to the game because there's so much damn content. I always do side missions for games off stream. I don't like to drag side missions onto the stream with y'all. Not, not in a lot of games, not in most games anyways. Um, doing a side mission where you have to fight like this robot that's duplicated. He's like the same person, but there's two of them. Did that fight. Uh, it's a gamble, basically. You have to gamble money to fight him. So my stupid ass. Now I see I would be a terrible gambler because I just don't know when to stop. I, I, think, I think I lost like $4,000 so far just <laughs> trying, to, trying to give him hands. And uh, I can't because the fighting, I don't understand fighting in Cyberpunk. I don't. Um, I, I'll talk about that more in gameplay in a second, though. The glitch that happened, though, was after enough. I still had money to fight, but oh, yeah, no, I agreed to fight them again. Actually, I got beat by them, and then when the cutscene was over, I think I pressed skip ahead. I got stuck. My player was just stuck. I couldn't move. And I looked. I, it wasn't that he was sitting down, because it looked like there was people next to me, but it wasn't that he was sitting down and there was a button to get up or anything like that. It just kind of teleported me after I got done, after, after I pressed skip. It just kind of teleported me to the corner, and I couldn't move. I had to close the app, because I tried to get up. I tried to walk around. I tried to like press these buttons. I just couldn't move. Kind of like the invisible wall that stopped the car. So that seems like a glitch to me. Uh, but so far, those are the only glitches that I've experienced. That's all I've experienced at this specific moment. But I'm sure there will probably be plenty more. I'm playing it on the PlayStation 5, by the way. Digitally, I downloaded it. Um, The game itself, man, there's just so much. It's almost overwhelming. There's so much. The city... Uh, there every single corner all types of clutter all types of people all types of things to interact with which is mainly why i've been playing it off stream and kind of taking it slow because i want to get like a grip on what exactly it is i'm doing and where i am um but i see why it took so damn long like they were meticulous and like the smallest details there's just shit everywhere and there's so many things you can do and there's tons of side missions and uh I don't have like a full opinion of the game yet. Like I'm not on a hate. I'm not on any hate train. I can go ahead and tell you that because any game that takes a long time like this and that's a spectacle, uh, like Cyberpunk is, obviously there's a hate train for it. I'm not on that hate train. Um, I haven't even played it enough to be on the hate train yet. I am somewhere between confusion and enjoying it. That's literally the best I can give you right now. I am still trying to learn different mechanics, like being able to or have enough RAM to hack things. Or being able to, I found out last night I couldn't hack a car because I believe I don't have the right skill yet. Or I couldn't carjack a car because I didn't have enough skill yet. I'm kind of just messing around with the world too, interacting with it. Like seeing what players do when you look. Like when I tried to carjack a lady last night, I saw the facial expression actually change. That was pretty cool. Trying to see what happens when you talk to different people. There's so much damn dialogue. Even in missions where there's a linear thing for you to do, you can ask all type of questions. You can be as curious as you want. There's just so much, which is also another reason why I'm just trying to figure it out before I stream more because I streamed it the first night it came out and there was a there was so much dialogue in this one section it was like bro i'm about to fall asleep <laughs> like the stream is i got people watching this game this dude was talking for like 10 minutes straight shit was crazy so still yeah i'm just i'm still just in figure it out mode and i'm gonna put a lot of time into this game as well i think i'm gonna be playing it so much in fact that i don't know how exactly it's gonna work because i don't think i will have beat it by the time the ps5 version comes out in 2021 um i don't know exactly when it's coming out in 2021 so i guess that depends 
so maybe I would have beat it before that. But I, my hope would be that if it comes out on PS5, I can have my save file from PS4 and kind of like pick back up where I am on the upgrade. I don't know if that's possible. I actually don't know of an upgrade that's ever where that's ever been possible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the game looks nice as well. It's the very last like PS4 game that came out. Well, it didn't even come out before PS5 is the thing. PS5 came out first. So yeah, but it's like one of the final main PS4 games. And so it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good when you look at the environment mostly. I think it's when it looks good. What feels janky and awkward though, like I said earlier, is the fighting. So I'm, again, I, I thought it was weird. I thought it was just like I was doing something wrong at first because I fought one of those psycho robots and then I did this double fight with the split robot. And the fighting is very, first of all, I think there's only like one control to it. There's like pushing and, and punching, but it, the, it low key feels outdated. It low key feels like an old game, the fighting mechanics. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like that because you're using androids and they're supposed to look very robotic or something, but it does not at all feel like a great combat system at all. And so maybe I'll figure more out about it and I'll tell you I was just stupid and I didn't know what I was doing. But the fighting is just weird as shit. Look up, look up, look up uh, cyberpunk combat, like hand to hand combat. Maybe you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't know if there's a video that that exists like that, but maybe you'll see what I'm talking about. It's very strange. The shooting still trying to get used to that because it's very sensitive. And so you can't bring your Call of Duty aim to this game. You actually have to know what you're doing, <laughs> I guess. I don't know if it's supposed to be that sensitive, but it's very sensitive. Yeah, there's thing those are those are pretty much my thoughts on the game itself so far. I'm making my way through it, but no by no means do I hate it. I'm actually uh enjoying trying to figure it out and I think the story is probably going to pick up and I think uh, the action is going to pick up and I'm going to learn more about the game cuz I said there's just so much to learn as well on how to play it. Once I get there, I think I'll probably uh I think I'll probably enjoy it more and I'll frequently bring it to stream then like before watch parties and in the middle of them, that type of thing. Ah, damn, I did not talk about the arenas, did I? Yeah, I'll talk about that at the end. Um, yeah, Cyberpunk. The more last bit I have on Cyberpunk is the glitches that people are talking about. Like, apparently, the company is issuing refunds on digital versions because it, it runs so bad, uh, depending what you're playing on. So I think the original PS4, for those of you that are still balling on that from 2013, I looked at a comparison, and yeah, it, it definitely... You can tell a clear difference on the original PS4 versus the next pieces of tech that have come out the pro and the five i don't even know who's trying to play this game on the ps4 but if you are it doesn't run well i can't speak for how it runs on the ps4 pro i'm running on it on ps5 but i've heard many bad things uh because people are trying to play it on on all walks of life right now and that's one of the things that took this game so long they would have high key been better like just making this a ps5 game and, and releasing it next year on ps5 uh, but they started working on this before the PS4 even came out. So I guess how could you justify that, right? How could you justify working on a game that you announced when was that like 2013, something like that, 2012, 2013, and then miss an entire generation and then release it for the next one? I guess they were already too far in to do that. But because of that, they ended up releasing it on this super wide net, the PC, the next gen consoles, the last gen consoles, each version of the last gen consoles. You see what I mean? There's just so much that they had to do. It was almost impossible, especially with the time crunch that they had at the end here. It was almost impossible to do what they needed to do there. Uh, so I don't know much about all the super problems people are having because I'm only playing it on my PS5. And so far, it's run OK. It, and it, I am. It, it does still take a while to load. It's optimized for PS4, I'm assuming. So I don't I don't know if it's utilizing PS5 speed times, but it doesn't feel like it. 
certain things still seem weird like when a player exits an animation like those two robots that i was fighting they just after you say you want to fight they go from standing still and they just kind of like teleport into a fighting motion to kind of that kind of looks outdated but hey overall i i don't have anything i don't really have any uh you know super negative thoughts on the game yet it's not like a game that tanked in my opinion at the moment and i'll know more about it as i continue to play um marvel announced a bunch of stuff since we're in the media section i'll just go ahead and finish all this marvel announced a ton of stuff man they announced a captain america and the falcon so the bucky yeah the thing with bucky and whatnot all types of commercials uh for upcoming series groot's getting a series they announced all types of things but i'm obviously most excited for fantastic four because there's finally going to be a fantastic four movie done correctly thank god bro fantastic four is going to be a part of the mcu we didn't fully know but we suspected that it would be and i'm happy because i am well aware that the ones that i grew up with as a kid as lovable as they were to me back then absolutely not touching what's going to happen in the mcu the one that came out after that only made for money because they could keep the rights absolute garbage so glad that they're actually going to get something done with that but the bigger so yeah you can go look through the marvel page if you want to see all the announcements but i had to throw it in there that we are finally getting the uh the uh, fantastic four also uh your guy chadwick boseman will not be recast as black panther so that means i think a lot of people took offense to that they didn't understand what they were saying obviously he's not alive anymore he can't be but they said he can't be in the movie but they were saying that they're not going to recast him they're not going to give somebody else the black panther uh, they're not going to come in with like fucking michael b jordan or something playing what well, he couldn't anyways because he was killmonger you get what i'm saying not they're not gonna come up with another black guy playing black panther that's what they meant nobody had to get fucking hysterical over that um <clears throat> But the big, big news is the next Spider-Man supposedly having, like, everybody. This is like a live-action Spider-Verse movie. So, next Spider-Man movie is supposed to have our guy right now, Tom Holland, but then also Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Uh, Dunce, Mary Jane, she's coming back. Emma Stone, she's coming back. So, she's uh, another Mary Jane. So, clearly, this sounds like an actual uh, time warp type thing to have all these, like, because these are characters that overlap and it's three spider-mans and so dr strange is supposed to play a role in it and so this shit sounds like it's going to be better than any like in in game that we had in infinity i don't well i don't know okay let me slow down all right because that was that's a high bar <laughs> but um as far as a crossover movie this sounds like it's going to be one of the best ever you can people again just just seem like they just want to be mad for the sake of being mad because i saw some people like oh can we stop this crossover shit can we just get him shut the hell up bro god damn <laughs> just enjoy the content it's like what does it really does it really bother you that much that other superheroes are in other superheroes movies like that's just where we are now and a lot of the times it turns out good you really want to just see a, a solo one guy movie that it's outdated now man and even if it's even if you like that more why does it matter that it's not that way anymore god damn bro people just find ways to be mad either way i'm super excited for this this spider-man uh three movie is coming out or in this case would be like i, I don't know the exact sequence and how many spider-man movies we've had but sounds like it's gonna be crazy i don't even know where they're going with this but it was a rumor a couple of months ago then people were like that has to be fake but it's been pretty much confirmed now oh yeah dr octopus too oh my goodness bro every time marvel does something like this i say that i can die happy after it comes out so when infinity war i said i could die happy after infinity war that came then i was like i, I could die happy after Endgame. that passed and now i'm like i need to live to see spider-man they, they just keep doing this bro take my money take my money i will have to see this in the theater so vaccine will be out by then uh i'll be vaccinated i'll be in a theater watching that living out my childhood 
Okay. Uh, last thing for media, Cuddy album drops. Obviously, that's not news for many of you, but it was it was fire. I just did want to talk about it a little bit because we talked about it on stream and I was tweeting about it. I'm not even a Cuddy listener like that. Not at all. I know who he is. I've heard Cuddy music before, but I don't really consider myself like a Cuddy fan, you know, or anything like that. I wasn't... <clears throat> super familiar with the man on the moon projects so but i saw I, I was just up at midnight icing my foot and so i'm stationary and i saw all the tweets and i was like man fuck it let me check this out so i played it and there wasn't one skip on the album i got plenty of songs to add off of it the void is still taking me to another planet so yeah if you are like me and you were not really a cutty guy i suggest you open spotify well after you get done listening to this podcast on spotify or apple podcast and rating it five stars after you get done with that check out the Cardi album absolutely recommend it but i'm not going into a deep dive here because that's not really my thing i just had to mention it uh okay just circling back just one last note about the nba i I guess i just include this here because this is less about the nba more about the presentation uh very last thing was obviously we finally got our first look at what the arenas look like without fans because we've been imagining that for a while it's not hard to imagine but I think there was like a for me at least there was a fascination with how it was going to work when they went to the bubble and then we saw how it worked they had all types excuse me god damn that was that was bad hopefully y'all didn't hear that oh. <laughs> mm. i've been talking for a while the <clears throat> the bubble had very nice presentation so it made you really not miss the fans as much but some of these arenas it's it's I'm, I'm here just to watch hoop but the environment feels very dead so like the blazers arena feels dead as shit um the hornets arena feels dead as shit i like what teams like the bulls nets and lakers did so the bulls and lakers they covered their seats they covered their seats with like uh like i think there i think the bull says united center on it the lakers they just kind of have like a black tarp over it and i think they have something written that you can't really see but the nets by far had the best presentation so brooklyn i was going to be watching a lot of brooklyn any game games anyways but especially because of how they how they handle their business so they kind of have it similar to the bubble where their screens on the on the backdrop they're not as big as what the nba bubble had but their screens there so you're not looking at the seats and in the middle where there's not screens i think they have a cover as well kind of like a tarp thing or maybe it's more screen i can't remember either way especially with what the court looks like it looks beautiful and they did also amazing job so far i think them and the lakers have done the best job piping in crowd sounds so everybody needs to take examples from the lakers and nets because again we're gonna watch hoops regardless i'm here to see what's on the court cool but the presentation does help like i i am kind of sad this year that there's gonna be christmas games and it might just be a super dead arena because Christmas, a lot of that, a lot of what feels good about Christmas games too is the environment aside from the matchup. So I hope for the regular season that players look to the Nets, specifically the Nets, because they did the best job. I would love if they looked to the Nets for inspiration and really did their arena like that. I think every arena is not built the same, so maybe they can't, but they did a great job and you can't tell anything is missing because you see screens in the background, you see tarp and you hear the crowd. So it low key sounds like there's actually people there when there's not. They did the, the Nets. Brooklyn actually made a whole illusion. So they, they went pretty far to make it not feel dead. And I love their court already anyways. So yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that because these teams that just have red empty seats like blazers that ain't it bro and you can just hear the players and that's it i I'm, i want i don't want these to feel like summer league games uh yeah get us get us a good presentation man especially for your casual fan get them a presentation because some of us are just gonna suck it up and watch who but i don't know the presentation might feel might make people feel some type of way 
Okay, well, that's it. Oh, goddamn. 10 minutes to two hours. I think it's probably going to break two hours today because I am going to answer these questions. Uh, but I don't need to like go full. Full on. These are some pretty good questions I got from Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you don't. This is where I ask for podcast questions. I'm not going to bitch out and not answer them because I actually like them. So, Joey asked, what is the worst thing about meeting fans in real life? Worst thing about meeting? That's <laughs> that's funny. No, that's not a worst thing. Hmm. Well, first of all, I'm not even huge time, so I haven't met that many fans, but I think I've met three or four so far. The very first time I ever got recognized was actually a kid in my school years ago when I was in college. It was, I think I was only in my first or second year of doing YouTube, and he noticed me. We were I was inside some, like, uh, we were in an auditorium, and I forgot what we were there for. It was like some leadership conference or some shit. I don't really remember what it was there for. But I swear to God, this guy, he, he comes up and he says, yo, you're Dom 2K, aren't you? He said, you're the guy who never answers me on Snapchat or some shit like that. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, but he, yeah, I actually ended up, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say like super friends with him, but we talked sometimes here yeah, because we were in the same school and I would see him around. So yeah, he was cool. He was a cool guy. But what was funny was, again, it was a leadership conference, so I remember some, like, there was, there was, like, some nerdy girl next to us was like, oh, wait, you're, like, the, I don't know, I don't know what it was, whatever leadership award, I guess you would win at one of these or some shit like that, she asked me if I was that, and I was like, oh, nah, he's talking about something else, and she was like, oh, she just, like, lost all interest, um, <clears throat> but, yeah, there was him, I got noticed on the la- very last day of last year, actually, in Chipotle, I got noticed. So yeah, at the end of 2019, on New Year's Eve, me and my brother were at Chipotle, and uh, I was talking to my brother, and I low key noticed that because I, I I was looking back to talk to him, and I low key noticed at the corner of my eye there was somebody like staring hard as shit. <clears throat> and I guess I thought he was just listening to our conversation because we were talking about Dragon Ball Z, and then he ended up uh, he ended up introducing himself and saying he knew me and stuff like that, and he asked me for a picture, so that was pretty cool. Nike. Right before I sprained my ankle, I was at the Nike outlet and I got so, uh, some Nikes and the guy also recognized me. I, saw, I felt like he was kind of following me a little bit. Then I really, then he asked me, he was like, yeah, yo, I think he asked me about what my favorite team was when I said the Celtics. He was like, okay, so you're Dom TK, right? Yeah, so he recognized me. I'm telling you the stories because I only have a handful of people who I've ever met. Uh, bottom line, there, there, there hasn't been a worse thing. Everybody's been cool so far. Nobody's been weird. Nobody's nobody's been weird. That's my number one rule. Um, but I also haven't achieved like actual fame or anything. So maybe if and when I ever do, then maybe shit will actually get like all right, relax. I have to start rolling around like Drake, right? In that video of him hopping out his super protected car to a restaurant with bodyguards. I'm just kidding. Ain't nobody trying to get that bougie. <laughs> um, no, it's been cool. Everybody's been cool so far. It's been awesome every time so far. Oh yeah, the last one was in the gym. There was one more in the gym actually. Matter of fact, no, I think that was the same. No, that was the same guy that recognized me at Chipotle. Yeah, no, it's been cool every time so far. Everybody's been cool. Everybody's been respectful. Um, sometimes they just want to like talk about basketball or whatever. Ask me, you know, what I think about certain teams. Ah, uh, there was one more years ago actually. After the one from my school. Um, yeah, I have no clue because my mom goes into the store or whatever, and I don't know how her and the the cashier got on conversation of who exactly i was maybe he was wearing a team hat or some shit i don't really remember but anyways yeah she she introduced me to him because he wanted to meet me as well and so yeah he was also really cool she's been cool every time man nobody's been weird i haven't met any of these fucking twitter weirdos in real life these people who bring this weird ass energy to my threads i've never 
I'm not talking about people who are regularly there, but you know, people who trolls basically. Yeah, these people don't keep the same energy in real life. I doubt they ever will. Um, <laughs> it's been cool. I appreciate y'all every time. I I'm not confrontational at all. So if you ever do see me IRL, uh, yeah, you can always come up and be like, yo, I know who you are, cause I, I guess I'm I'm not gonna be a dick. That comes with it, I guess. So that'll be cool. It's been awesome every time. Um. Jork asked, from your experience, is Florida as crazy as people make it out to be? <sighs> Let's see. We had a tar look, I guess I never really noticed until the whole COVID thing happened. That's really where it's that's really where it's kind of like showing itself, I guess, because months ago, back when uh, there still wasn't a clear direction for where the country was going. I remember like in Target people, well, it wasn't a Target that I was at, but a Target down here, people had like a whole fucking parade about or walking through the Targets like, yeah, I'm not wearing masks, woohoo, some shit like that, fucking weirdos. Yeah, so you had stuff like that, but I guess that could happen anywhere, right? But uh, long story short, or to answer your question shortly, it's, it's the Florida memes, I think, exaggerate a little bit. We do have a lot of crazy and stupid people down here, but you have that everywhere. It's mostly jokes, but also I live in Central Florida, so... You have Central Florida and then you have South Florida where people live in like cities and whatnot. And I don't think it's as crazy here. But also when I was driving back from Georgia one time, and I went to a gas station. I drove out and it was like fucking crackhead smashing on the side of the gas station, just like out in the open. It was like nighttime. So, yeah, that's the craziest thing I ever seen in Florida. <laughs> and so maybe if I left Central Florida more and I went out into the more obscure parts, maybe I see crazy shit. Um but other than that, yeah, we got gators everywhere. You see gators in every single lake. Uh, gator, y'all saw my Instagram that one time, but baby gator came to this lady's front door in my complex. Um, so yeah, shit like that does happen as well. But I, I don't think we're as crazy as a meme say. It is fun to joke about, because I do see some of the meme material in real life, but it's it's not as crazy. You're not gonna come to Florida and it's just gonna be straight up like GTA. You have to look for the GTA stuff at least. Yeah, that's what I would say to that. <laughs> Um, counselor asked, do you still think about the old man you met at the court? If you were not familiar with that, I have a video on my main channel of saying, like, I met somebody who saw pretty much all of NBA history because he did. He saw Bill Russell. He saw Wilt. Um, no, I actually hadn't thought about him in a while, honestly, because that had so much has happened since then. I really hadn't. But I do. Absolutely. If you're asking, like, do I regret <laughs> not getting his contact? Absolutely. Um, low-key like a lot changes in a few months right uh, I hadn't really been networking at all or working with people when I met him and so I'm always cool to just kind of like you know say a few words to people and we go our separate ways I'm not really like the most I don't know I guess you could say I, I, I don't know I wasn't as great as network at networking so if I had met him now after I've been on like Beesaw's podcast and you know, I've, I've talked and streamed with a couple of people I probably would have I probably would have been like yo come on the podcast or something I mean, he's an old man too so i don't really know if it's a safe that's another thing i don't really know if he would have ever wanted to like come inside somewhere but zoom exists zoom exists so yeah i don't have an excuse the the guy he grew up watching basketball back to like the dr j days he saw Will chamberlain play he saw everything and so i was at a basketball court one day shooting around and he was there i forgot how we ended up talking but we ended up having a conversation and uh, I figured out he actually knew a lot about the NBA. He actually worked around the NBA because of his job. And so 
he, I was like, oh, damn, this guy, he's seen everything. And so I started asking him everything I could remember. Then I made a video, or everything I could remember to ask. And then I made a video about everything I remembered. And it was just a really cool time. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely regret not getting his contact and keeping in touch because I don't go to the court a lot these days. And I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. I, I don't know where he is. I don't know. I don't, might not even been real. Like I said, might have been that Polar Express shit where like that ghost used to come around and you just like pop in and out i've never saw that guy before in all my years going to this court and i probably never will again yeah sucks man that was that's like an nba history encyclopedia walking encyclopedia i gotta take that l there last thing from sir z he asked how do you maintain consistency i put that on there because i again i didn't really realize how it looks to people on the outside um when like major films we were talking about him at the beginning and when he was like, yeah, I see you stream and, you know, make videos for two channels. I'm like, how does he do it? Because I didn't Loki a lot of the times I feel like, man, I'm not even doing enough. Or again, if I'm not making like an art project video, I might feel like, oh, I didn't I didn't do enough. Um, but yeah, uh, consistency. Well, first of all, you have to be doing something you actually enjoy. And so I enjoy streaming. So it's not hard for me to keep a schedule. Well, I don't have an actual schedule when I stream, but I have like a rule of thumb. Like I try not to take more than one day off today that's probably going to happen because a podcast is coming out and i don't want to log jam it but in a regular situation i try to never go more than one day without streaming i always try to get on and at least give some time to it be however much time that i can to it because i enjoy it i am enjoying covering this season already and so it's much easier for me to do that on my main channel and make main or make a videos about this season and things that i'm watching every night it flows much better than trying to make a video about something that happened 50 years ago where i have to do millions of hours of research and writing and editing and all that it's you know after a while that becomes tiresome especially because uh audience retention and effort on youtube are negatively correlated because of business because of youtube's business practices so yeah you just kind of have to once you enjoy what you're doing i think it becomes way uh way less challenging to maintain maintain consistency because then you're just doing shit as a part of your day pretty much like how i do the gym and i've done the gym all my life the gym is just literally something apart it's just a part of what i do and i enjoy it as well and so it doesn't feel like i'm going out of my way to stay in shape it's just a part of the routine and so everything that i do now is just part of a routine making second channel videos from my stream highlights routine hopping on stream routine covering the season this year just gonna be routine hopping on podcasts every monday now again you notice that the podcast was very spotty when i was on that other uh platform right because i didn't really like what was going on there i didn't feel like i could do exactly what i wanted to i couldn't take this exactly where i wanted to take it uh it, it kind of felt like something that would come up every week and it's like oh damn i just gotta go sit and do this now whereas now i'm doing it and it really feels like i'm, I'm getting somewhere and i'm enjoying getting somewhere so it's just it's it's a routine now it's i've been here for fucking two hours chatting which is way too long <laughs> but it's routine and so uh yeah if you enjoy something it becomes part of your routine and you won't even have to think about being consistent and the next thing you know you got people like yo how are you consistent you're like damn i'm consistent yeah that's how that's how that works basically i think i'm done here i could probably go on on that question but i i think i'm done here i think i got the crux of it i did this time tell you that this spotify that this podcast is on spotify and a podcast so this is just a reminder here at the end uh rate the show nothing less than five stars hit the like button share it this helps the chip but does help the channel grow but specifically the podcast we're trying to get this thing going for the regular season uh, seven days from now will be the 21st so we'll i think i guess the next 
podcast will literally be on NBA season Eve and three days until Christmas. And some of y'all will still be in school. How the hell does that work? Whatever. I appreciate y'all for watching and I will see y'all next week. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.